Nano's Indie Cafe show where we discuss and promote various indie games and help promote the indie community and give indie games exposure and help them grow and keep the like project to, to succeed. We do this like Wednesday through Friday at 2 p.m. at twitch.tv slash now here and today's the second episode of our podcast segment. Today I have Kara Kuro who you may know as the great dev of critically acclaimed Xanad the monster mother. Welcome man. Hey good to be here. So, for people who don't know you that well, tell us a little bit more about who you are, uh, the projects you know for, what you're working on, and all that stuff. Hey, I'm Karakuro, uh, Jake Walker, and I've been doing indie dev for around nine years now. The nine, I year, with- the nine years? I, I didn't know you were doing it that long. Yeah, I started with Game Maker 8 when that first came out. I think it was late 2009, uh, December of then. And I did not want to be a game developer before that. I wanted to be a novelist. And my friend sent me a copy of Game Maker. And the rest was kind of history. I thought it was too complicated at first, so I put it down. But then about a month later, I came back to it. And I've been doing development almost every day since then. Now, um, so, the name Karakuro... Uh, my bad. Oh, no, it's fun. Uh, the name Karakuro is new, though. Uh, if you search Karakuro, you're only going to get results from maybe the past year or two. I've so, been on different teams for the past 10 years, and uh, this is my first time really trying to be solo. So, uh, what name did you go before that? I had a lot under different teams. I think the first one was called Kronos Gaming, if I remember right. Kronos Gaming. Yeah, that was during the GM8 era, back when they had, um, you could post games onto Yo-Yo Games. Oh, oh yeah. um, They don't have that anymore? Nope, not that I see anyway. Whenever I go on the website, all I see is their new products. So I don't think you can upload there anymore. I, I remember uh, going on Yo-Yo Games and seeing all the cool games people like were making and stuff. I, I'm surprised that they don't like have that anymore because I feel like that that's what like got people interested in like game makers. They would see all these like cool games and be like, "Oh, I, I want like make a cool game like that. Let me download Game Maker." Yeah, especially since back in the day, we didn't have things like Itch.io and Game Jolt. Maybe that's why they don't have it anymore, because you can put any kind of game on those. But um, with Game Maker's website, that was my first real... Like, back then, if you wanted to make an indie game, you were either using, like, Flash and uploading to uh, Newgrounds, or you had your own website. Uh, I remember, like, Armor Games was really big back then. Uh, they had their own website. Uh, yeah, so the fact that they had a website where you could put your stuff up there, that really attracted me to the engine and really just got me hooked and addicted right away. Even if I really didn't post that often, 
I think I might have only posted maybe a quarter of the games I made during that time up there, which makes me really sad because my old PC with all my old games got destroyed. So Ooh. the only games that I have left are the ones that I posted. And that's not a lot of them. <laughs> yeah, it's it's crazy how because even in like more popular companies and devs, it's like those like a lot of like lost art that we may never like see the light of day. Yeah, like the great indie era started a few years ago. So basically anything before that is like ancient history. You have to be an internet archaeologist to find a lot of the indie games that came before that, except if they were like really big on new grounds, then maybe you could find it again. Isn't but I'd say ninety nine percent of indie games are gone. Is Newgrounds still like popular, do you think? Or I feel like a lot of people move away from Newgrounds, but I know that the there's still people who like post on new grounds, right? Oh yeah, yeah. It's still active. It's just not anywhere near what it used to be. Like that was kind of the wild west era of the internet. Yeah. You didn't really have anything like new grounds, and that's what just attracted everybody to it. Same thing with YouTube. You didn't really have anything like that where uh you anybody could upload videos with that kind of infrastructure. Uh, oh yeah. Uh, and there was just so much in Newgrounds. There was animations, there was games. It, it was anything that you would have wanted at like 2006 internet. So I, I just think that's something that we don't even have today. Like we have a bunch of different websites for that. You can go on YouTube, you go on Dailymotion, you can go on HIO, but you don't really have it all together anymore. Yeah. So uh, where are you from? specifically where did you like grow up i grew up on the east coast of the united states i grew up in maryland don't go there it is it smells terrible everything is brown and gray <laughs> and it is flat yeah, yeah i'm i'm west coast so you know somehow it always smells like a skunk but i've only seen two skunks in my entire life so I don't know how it happens. So what's like gaming like in the East Coast specifically where you grew up? Did you like grow up with like a lot of games or did, did like gaming happen later on in life? Now, when I was a kid, I had I did have game consoles, sort of. Uh, we didn't grow up with a whole lot of money, so a lot of my stuff was used. And I got it really, really late. Like, by the time I got a GameCube, the Wii was almost out. I think it was already announced at that point. And uh, for a while, my only consoles were the Game Boy line of uh, handhelds. Why am I not, so, why am I not surprised? Yep, the monster guy had a <laughs> Game Boy and, you know, played on it all the time. Gee, I, I wonder. What's the obsession with you and these monster-catching games, man? You know, I wish I could give a solid answer for that, but it's one of those things where I don't even think those were really the first games that I played. The first games I played were uh, Super Mario Brothers and Sonic at a friend's house. Well, JRPGs were one of the like, first games I played. I got them into when more into them when i was like 12 or 13 or something so but they're like my favorite like t t 
types of games. So, yeah, the funny thing is, I didn't even get into JRPGs else than monster games until I was maybe 14 or 15. Uh, I think the first real JRPG that wasn't named Pokemon or Dragon Quest Monsters that I played was a uh, Dragon Fable, an indie game on uh, browser. And I still play that to this day. It gets updated every week, and I love it. What's that game like? That game is one of my biggest inspirations as an indie dev, mm. despite the fact that I've never made a game like it. Like, I've never really have its design influences in my own games, but it is such an inspiration because these guys were like the OG indies in the original internet era. Uh, they started in 2002, and their games are usually episodic. They uh, release them every single week. So I've been playing them for a long, long time. So, so are they like popular? Because I've never like heard of them. Uh, yeah, they're called Artix Entertainment, and they were a lot more popular. I think they peaked around 2009 or 2010. <laughs> And uh, they have new games out now, but they're not quite as popular. It kind of makes me sad because it's like these guys were sort of the guys that I looked up to when I was a little kid mm-hmm. or a, not really a little kid, but like 14 or 15. When I first started getting into indie dev, I uh, really looked up to these guys. Uh, but the indie apocalypse has been hitting them hard. And really, I think they could stand to update their um design philosophy a little bit as much as i love the new games it is kind of stuck in 2002 as i hate to say it but i still adore them and i would always wanted to make a game that's kind of in their style uh where it's episodic and it's released every week i probably wouldn't do every week because i see how that's uh, (laughs) unless you get a a team you know it's probably not gonna you know happen yeah, if I were to do it, it would be maybe every month or so. Because with Artix, he does have a big team. And they still barely get the games out every week. So I probably wouldn't follow that model to a T. Just because I have like 10 years of watching them do their thing and seeing the pitfalls that they've done so I can avoid them. And and, and, and what's the name of this game again? Uh, the name of the company is Artix Entertainment, and they make the Adventure Quest series. The first JRPG that I played was Dragon Fable, the oh, second okay. in the uh, Adventure Quest series. And still massive influence to this day. I, I think if you play Xander and you listen to some of the dialogue, or I guess read it because the voice acting is all... Oh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, th- th- by the way, that's actually how I did the audio to that game for each character. I oh, would yeah, go, like, you, you, you did the v- v- voice acting, right? Yeah. Did you do all the voice acting or j- just some of it? Uh, all of it. As a matter of fact, even some of the attacks are done by voice. Like uh, some of the fireballs are like, <sighs> and it's just edited in the audio and whatnot. <laughs> I think the um like the egg the egg shot that the little bird does in the beginning is something like <laughs> uh for the rest i just like hit things up against walls and like shake shook leaves around and stuff but um yeah if you look at the dialogue in xander you'll see a lot of influence from a uh, dragon fable and that's not on purpose 
it's just the fact that I grew up with that. That's the kind of dialogue that I like. There's a lot of similarity there. The kind of it's funny most of the time, very punny, very memey. But uh, then when the serious stuff happens, the memes kind of go out the window. Like every now and again, you got to bring it back, you know, just to really break that tension. You don't get this whole meme thing. I don't know. I f- feel like an old, that old like grandpa. I, I don't get these the kids with these memes. I don't know. I don't get memes. I, I, I'm I'm not a big fan of memes. <laughs> I know that's well, I, I know that's very controversial to say as like a streamer. Yeah, I was about to say you're you're on the internet and you're just like man. I'm too old for these damn meme things. <laughs> these internet memes. I don't know, a lot of times, uh, uh, I don't know, it it gets tiring after a while, man. Yeah, the kids these days with their baby Yoda. Well, I mean, I understand what you mean, though. It is really hard to keep up with it. If you go on, like, dank memes on Reddit after being off for, like, a month or so, you'll have no idea what's going on. All of a sudden, Bugs Bunny's fat and he's called Big Chungus. no, I, I I don't have like a deep hatred. I just I don't want like okay. Let's talk about content. Okay, so I don't want like rely on memes f- for content. I feel like I'm better than that. Like I don't want my content to be focused on memes. So I I I kind of accidentally made one. It's not a popular meme, but like we we we, we do kind of have a running joke. So I was playing Arcade Spirits. I was like, ooh, this UI is cool, but I didn't say UI. I said you owe. <laughs> so King always asks me when I'm playing a game, what's you owe? How's the you owe and stuff? So, yeah. So, expect a you owe emote one of these days. I mean, that's just kind of how it happens. Something really random and stupid happens, and then all of a sudden the internet's just like, yeah, mine! I'm going to not shut up about this for three months before I kill it after it goes to Hot Topic on a t-shirt. So sometimes when I'm like posting up about a game on Twitter, I'll be like, the UO's cool. I'm just waiting for the devs one of these days to be like, what are you talking about? Uh, do you mean the UI? No, 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 the UO. I, I really, really like it. Yeah. I mean, we treat the UO pretty seriously. <laughs> like, it's... So, uh... So you played a lot of Pokemon as a kid, right? A decent bit, an unhealthy bit, maybe a lot. Okay, I'm not a Pokemon fan. Now, to be fair, I didn't grow up with the games. That's why I mostly grew up with, like, the animes. So I, I sure grew up with the games, though. Like, I had, like, a Game Boy Color. Like, there was, like, no reason for me not. Like, Mom, why didn't you give me Pokemon? Like, I, I, I don't, like... Why? Like, I I didn't, like, play my first Pokemon game until I was, like, in middle school or high school. And it was, like, Pokemon Diamond. Yeah, it's kind of how Jamie, the uh, artist for uh, a lot of the promotional material for Xander, that's kind of how she was. She did have Pokemon Yellow when she was a kid, Mm -hmm. but she never played it. She really started with uh, Diamond and Pearl. So she, whenever we talk about Pokemon, she's just like, you know... Gen 4 was really the best. That was the peak of the franchise. And then, you know, being the old bastard that I am, I'm just like, no, Gen 2 was fantastic with its open world design. And she's just like, dude, I don't 
I don't care. It looked like poop, and there were only two colors on the screen at any time. And I'm just seething there, like, I swear it was good. This isn't just nostalgia. I, I fucking love the eight bits. Like, I don't know. We always uh, joke with each other about that. So, uh, uh, what do you think of Pokemon Sword and Shield? Go, go ahead. I, I, I don't know if this is gonna be a hot take or not, but we'll find out. I got stuck on the thing. Um, oh, you got okay. you got some opinions. I can I can already sense it, man. So the thing is, like me not liking Sword and Shield isn't really a new thing when it comes to the franchise for me. I haven't liked the past few games. Okay. Well, actually, I can lie, we're all right. But um, like I just think ever since, and this is the real hot take that I'm about to say oh, here. God. I don't know if anybody in. <laughs> I don't know if anybody in the chat or listening to this video in the future is going to want to crucify me for this. But I think that the series started to go downhill in Gen 5. Uh, which one I, is Gen 5? Uh, black and white on the DS. And I can hear the pitchforks already because the, inter the internet just loves Gen 5. You, you didn't like X, o X and Y? Isn't that another popular one? I thought it was okay. I really don't hear people talk about it anymore. And I can kind of see that. There wasn't a whole lot to the game. Uh, that was when they really started to cut back on the post-game. Because the director said that the Battle Frontier would be too difficult for new players. So he didn't want to include it anymore. So instead, he included the Battle Mizen. Mizen, Mizen, whatever. I don't know. The battle facility that is from X and Y onward, just, I'm not really a fan. There really wasn't a whole lot of post-game to begin with, and the game had more to do with a linear narrative, a plot, that had to do with the characters spouting loads and loads and paragraphs and paragraphs of dialogue at your face, which is fine if the game's built for it, like, I've, I play Dragon Fable, I said that before, and that game's a lot of text. But it's kind of built for it. All the characters have really rich personalities, it's really cartoony, uh, there's a lot of animation. But, um, starting with Black and White, you have these characters that don't have, you know, you stick them in a, any other RPG and they won't really shine. They're not complete cardboard, but they usually have, like, one-note personalities. like uh. N, for example, he just wants to save the Pokemon and uh, liberate them and whatnot. And uh, he's just this massive hippie. Have you played but, um, Have you played Pokemon Conquest? Uh, no, actually. I was excited for it when it first came out. Uh, when it was announced as uh, Pokemon Cross Nobunoga's Ambition. I, would, I, I looked at the title and I was just like... <laughs> Okay, what? Uh, okay, so since we're on the topic of Pokemon, Detective Pikachu, go. Uh, the movie, the movie, the movie. It's just, just, yeah. Yeah, yeah I liked it. it. It was just a fun, charming, like, I don't know. I, I, I just had a lot of fun with it. Like, yeah, I thought it was great. Like, it wasn't perfect a lot of people say that the main character didn't act well i disagree i think i liked he his acting perfectly yeah yeah and i, I thought I, with how ryan reynolds did a good job as like detective pikachu 
Yeah, like, I thought for how cartoony the whole premise was, it was very well executed. The Pokemon looked great. The, oh, uh, oh, yeah, it, it, it's just beautiful looking, you know. Oh, yeah, definitely. That was that was a treat. That was actually one of the things that got me super excited for Sword and Shield when it was first announced. And then the details came out. Like, a lot of people say that, like, Dexit, that's the big reason why you don't like Sword and Shield. No, that's not the reason. It's more of the straw that broke the camel's back. I just thought that the um, the quality of the games kind of, kind of went down over the years. So and... I don't know. From what I've seen of Pokemon Sword and Shield, it looks cool. I, I, I like the, like, scope of, like, the environments and the, like, free-roaming exploration. Yeah, the thing is, the wild area, it, or wild, what the, what the hell is it called? Wild area, I think. Uh, those are something that I wish came in the series way before this. That is a very good idea, even if the implementation isn't great. Uh, I like it. It's just, what it happens with the pacing because of it is you have these big adventure segments where you're uh, traveling in this big, kind of flat overworld area. Then you go to a town and you hit a wall with a bunch of dialogue. And then you like just slowly make your way through all of that. Go back to the next wild area. Progress is stopped again. Slowly make your way to the gym and whatnot. And it just kind of makes the pacing feel strange. Like this real stop and go kind of jerk instead of a uh, smooth curve. But I do like the addition of the wild areas. And I do like... Some of the things with the game are okay. Some of the new monsters look good. Others... But that's kind of with every game. You can't make that many monsters and have all of them appeal to everyone. So I'm not one of those people that's just like, anything past the original 151 <laughs> is a Digimon. I'm not one of those people. Hey, what are you dissing on Digimon for? Oh, God, don't get me started on Digimon. I'm a Digimon fan. Let's go, bro. Okay. You're you're going to get some hot takes here, too. Uh, but you're also going to get, I don't know, a normal take. Dawn and Dusk are my favorite Digimon games. Like the uh, ones on the DS. Can we play Cyber Sleuth? That's what I was getting to, and that's what I was... It's a good game. It, it, it's... It, it's... What? You, what are you dissing on Cyber Sleuth for? See, the thing is, I like the basic combat system. It just kind of has the modern Pokemon problem of, oh my god, does anybody shut up? I also just wish that there, were, there was more than just Kowloon and like the little one-screen dungeons in like the first half of the game. I like the second half of the game a lot okay. more. Okay, I, I, would, I, I would admit the levels are kind of samely um, repetitive and stuff, but, like, the, the story and, like, the characters, like, I don't know, I, I love it, man. Like, and, okay, to give some context, I, I haven't played a whole lot of Digimon games. I'm, I, I mostly grew up with the Digimon anime, which is what people know Digimon mostly for. But um, I mean, they are the champions. So when I play Cyber Sleuth, like it's been years since I've seen the anime series and stuff. So 
like it was a big nostalgia boom seeing all those like Digimon and evolving them and stuff like I don't know I just got really engrossed into it because of that so yeah I did like the Digivolution system that's also part of the reason why I liked the uh, second half of the game a lot because you were just able to traverse the tree a lot and I just loved doing that that's probably the thing that I like most about Digimon as a concept is the fact that you don't have just like one or two evolutions on the dudes you have like this big branching tree and depending on what you do you do can be vastly different i do really like that concept and i think cyber sleuth actually did improve on the old digimon world game in that respect and i know i'm about to get for that take i'm gonna be crucified by like the old school game <laughs> fan so i'm i'm just not safe here <laughs> uh, okay i i have a controversial I, I don't like i i'm not a fan of digimon war series i said it i said it okay i, I but, but to me i can actually see that but but to be like fair um i've only played next world i didn't grow up with, with the older digimon world but even like playing next world which is probably pretty similar to the older ones like i don't know i couldn't get into it i, I guess i split because this came out like after Cyber Sleuth, so I expected it to be similar. But I'm like, wait, wait, wait I, I don't have like six Digimon. I only have like one or like two or something. And they, I, I, I did do certain things for, for them to evolve a certain way. What is this stuff? Like, I don't get this. Like, yeah, there was your mistake right there. <laughs> yeah. Every Digimon world, every Digimon world game was vastly different from the other ones. There's a reason why I singled out Dawn and Dusk is because almost every other Digimon game is completely different. Like, Digimon World 1 was more or less like, I would probably compare it to something like Animal Crossing or Stardew Valley. And uh, Digimon World 2, what was that one like? It was like a really slow JRPG. Okay, but, uh, do you, you want to... Uh, have you watched the Digimon like anime shows? Oh yeah, uh, yeah. I've seen all of them except for uh, Fusion or Cross uh, Wars. Uh, or whatever. You're good. So uh, <laughs> we don't talk about uh, no Cross Wars. Like the first half is good. It's that like last half. And, and, yeah, that's what I heard. Though it has some really, it has like one or two good moments with seeing like characters from previous Digimon seasons but that, that doesn't save it so but uh, uh, <laughs> save it but oh but um but what a Digimon game I would love to see is like a game version of like Frontier yeah uh, and that's the, the one where the like they are pretty much Power Rangers. They like morph into Digimon, spirit execution or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, you know I would be pretty into that. Yeah, like making a game like that and, and like unlocking like different forms and transform, like make it super open war and like make it hack and slashy and oh, it would be so good, man. Bandai, get on it. I think Bandai makes the Digimon games, right? Yeah, Bandai, get on this ten-year-old anime series. No, no, it doesn't have to. It doesn't have to be an adaptation 
of Frontier, but use Frontier's mechanics is what I'm saying. Yeah, I get you. Yeah, like that, that would be dope, man. But like the Digimon game that that's like coming out like uh, next year, Digimon Survival. Oh my god, that looks dope, man. Oh yeah, that looks really good. Like just the story alone looks dope. Like forget yeah, the like, gameplay, just like the tone they're going for. Like it, it reminds me of the Digimon Adventure One days, where the kids were just stuck in the digital world and had to like survive on their own. Like it. The original Isekai. Thank you very much, yep. Crunchyroll. <laughs> <laughs> like that's uh, actually, you're one of the only. You're kind of right. I, I I never thought about that, but I, I really don't watch as much anime as I used to. Yeah, you're not missing too much. I mean, Demon Slayer is good, and Boku no Hero Academia is horrible as that title is. Uh, it's pretty good. For for a while, I mean, the anime is okay right now. I'd probably just read the manga. I've I, I, I've seen my Hero Academia. Pretty good. Yeah, I, yeah, it's I, pretty good. I liked yeah. it at first, but then they just kept it. Got a little repetitive. Yeah, I've I, 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 have you seen the English stuff? Uh, no. Even though I have heard some of the voice actors, they do sound great. Yeah, I, I've actually met. Deku's like English voice actor, pretty cool dude. Oh, cool, pretty cool dude. But so, but back to like, so, what do you think of the Pokemon anime? Okay, so a lot of people say that the Pokemon anime is kind of bad, and I agree, except oh. the ex. Except for two things. The first half of the first season is legit some of the best anime I've ever watched. And that's completely without nostalgia, like watching again as an adult. There are some weird things with it, like scenes where the Pokemon are talking to each other and there's no subtitles and they're just like, like that gets kind of weird. But else than that, I actually really like its uh, style of like a growing up story of it's more or less a sports anime but framed as a shonen so you have the like low down character moments where, where ash is having that deep contemplation about like what it means to win uh what his friends are and whatnot and then you have those moments where it's like charmander's lighting james's ass on fire i don't know I just really like it, and I really like the pacing. Uh, each episode like, uh, felt really snappy. Which season? Uh, season one, the first half. Okay. Each episode really seemed like it was moving something forward. It was moving Ash's character forward. It was moving Misty's character forward. It was exploring Proc's backstory. Uh, the monsters themselves had a lot of personality. I loved the art style. But then the second half of the season begins around episode 25 30 uh then the filler strikes the gym leaders stop being as uh memorable the art style kind of drops a little bit you could tell they kind of ran out of budget and um i don't really like the second half as much i still think it's okay i think it's better than the series that um followed afterward my big thing is do you think do you think they should like uh stopped um after the first Pokemon movie, like they were going to, 
Yeah, I feel like they should have done how the manga... Well, okay, from an artistic standpoint, I feel like they should have done how the manga does, where it switches out the main characters every now and again. Yeah, you, you could, like, totally do that. Like, that's what the games do. Like... Yeah, I mean, like, I get why, like, for the marketing, they just keep Ash Ketchum, but, yeah. like, for how good the show is, it would have been much better if we had more character arcs, because Ash gets a complete character arc in the first season. Yeah. Hell, he gets a complete character arc in the first episode. <laughs> episode one is probably my favorite episode of anime ever, just because of that. It. It's the anti-anime episode, where normally anime is very slow. You gotta watch a million episodes for it to pick up. Pokemon episode one gives a full character arc for both Ash and Pikachu. Yeah, and yeah. I, I just love it. But then they keep having him have more character arcs, and again and again and again. But they aren't exploring a different aspect of his character with each season they're just kind of doing the same thing he's a whiny kid again at the beginning of each new region and then slowly over the course of the series he learns what friendship is and he learns what winning that it's not important and you know so, so here the same lessons he learned in the first season here's what they should have done like if you worry about marketing like the character that's going to replace ash you introduce him before you start that season with him. But that way, yeah, like, when that season happens, we, we, we already know this character. You know? Yeah, that'd be cool. Like, I was actually kind of expecting uh, Jimmy to be the uh, new main character after Ash. The uh, guy that had Sparky the Pikachu and that uh, beat him in the uh, first league. Spoiler alert, I guess, for a 20-year-old anime. But, um... <laughs> <laughs> and for anybody watching this that hasn't seen it but um yeah another thing that really got me excited is at the beginning of the gen 4 anime it didn't look like ash was going to be the main character anymore it looked like don was going to be the main character and why, i loved it why why wasn't she why I, and, and there's a lot of yeah, like especially like nowadays when people are like trying to have more stronger female characters and push the like diversity, I'm I'm surprised that they haven't like replaced Ash with a female character. Honestly, yeah, I'm surprised too. Like, um, basically everybody that I've talked to that's watched the anime says that. It, when Dawn looked like she was going to be the main character, their hopes for the series skyrocketed. She was a completely different character, had different personality, had different faults in her character that could be explored over oh, the course of the season. Oh, oh, it's great! Oh, but then oh, here oh, comes Ash and he fries her bike. Oh, 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 and another option was the, the female character of like X and Y. Yeah, like she was really cool. And I also. Like, the uh, second thing that I was going to say about the anime was I did like X and Y, sort of. I liked the things that they were trying to do with it. You, I liked you, how you, they actually... You gotta admit, the production quality in X and Y is, like, amazing, man. Oh, it was fantastic. Yeah. It was great. And, like, the battles looked amazing. And I actually like 
how Ash and Serena actually kind of started to develop a relationship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was something different. And didn't but, they, like, didn't she, like, kiss him, like, during her departure? Like, they don't, like, actually, like, show the kiss, but it's strongly implied because of, like, the camera angle and stuff. Yeah. Which makes it all the more annoying when uh, Sun and Moon starts and Ash seems like he is less than 10, like he's 8. Yeah, like, and, I, I, I don't know, I, I think, I think it, it's, um, just an art, the artistic style versus what he actually, like, looks like, you know? Yeah, the thing is, like, it's not just the art, it's his character, too, he's a lot more silly, which is fine, I'm all for silly cartoons, but... I don't think after X and Y, that was a good decision because you built up this badass image for the character. And now he's he acts like a little school kid. He's going to graduate like no one ever has before. What? That was actually the tagline to the sun and moon anime. He's going to graduate like no one ever has. I. Oh, what the hell? Now you're making Ash go to school? Shouldn't he done that before? Not... Yeah! And it's it's like weird with Pokemon. Like, each season, they treat him like he's just starting his adventure. When he should have, like, a lot more experience. Even if, like, time works differently in Pokemon and it's only been, like, a year or so, he still should be a lot more knowledgeable with his, like, experiences. You know what gets me? I watched the first season again, I'd say, about a year ago. And they mention, I think in episode 20-something, that it's already been six months. So, and he only had, like, four badges then, I think three or four. So... (laughs) So who knows? So, it's so, really weird that this series has continuity. Like, so I heard of, like recently, I um in the Pokemon anime and by recently like several months ago that like Ash like actually won a league or something like that. He should have won an X and Y. He should have won then. But yeah, he did win against uh, Gladion. What's your thoughts on that? Okay, so I stopped watching Sun and Moon on episode 30-something, mm-hmm. and I came back for the league. And I actually predicted that he was going to win. And when it happened, I facepalmed so hard, I'm pretty sure that's why my hair is so long. Because the hair that was dormant inside my follicles just went... <sniffs> oh my god, I did not like that fight. Basically, all that happened was... Uh, I forgot what their first Pokemon even were. I think it was like Pikachu versus Mimikyu or something. I don't know. Didn't really remember that. But then they sent out both of their Lycan rocks, And it was just like, Gladion would use Stone Edge. Ash would run his face into the Stone Edge. And then would like try to attack him close up. But then Gladion would just counter. So this happened like three or four times in a row. Until you'd think like Ash is... Lycanroc has to be dead by now, right? But no! uh, Gladion goes to counter him again, and then Ash counters the counter. And that's like the one hit he got on Gladion's Lycanroc, and that won him the league. I, uh... 
Yeah, that was a bit of a far cry from <laughs> yeah. how good the fights in uh, X and Y were. I feel like you're getting angry with the anime. Well, let's talk about the movies. <laughs> Do you have more positive uh, opinions of the movies, or, or is it all? Uh, the movies as a whole, or just uh, Detective Pikachu? The animated movies. Well, I, I have mixed opinions. I think some of them are okay, but I don't really think Pokemon lends itself well to a movie format. At least not with ash okay you, i think you want to hear a controversial opinion was that i like pokemon forever oh no that's fine i thought it was okay really because a lot of people don't like that like i really okay spoilers because you know I'm, I'm gonna talk about the scene you know what scene i'm gonna talk about right yeah it, isn't that a great twist like it adds so much depth into like Pokemon, if you don't know what scene we're talking about. So, uh, in the movie, we meet a character, Sam, who, like, time travels and stuff through, like, one Pokemon. I forget the name of the Pokemon. But, like, in the end credit scene, it's revealed that the Sam that, like, Ash met was, like, Professor Oak as a kid. Yeah. Like, that adds such a... So much dimension in Pokemon, but they never bring it up in the series. At least I don't think they do. I don't know. Pokemon has so many episodes, so they could have brought it up, and I would never know. Yeah, I think Pokemon's longer than One Piece at this point, and that's kind of insane. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of plot lines in Pokemon that I wish they would have expanded on more. But, to be fair, it's easy to make a show longer than One Piece if it doesn't have a cohesive story, you know? True enough, yeah. yeah. Like, One Piece actually has to, in like, put the plot forward with each episode, but Pokemon's yeah. just like, The Donphan trainer's stuck in a well! Ash, use your Pidgeotto to get him out! Oh, oh no, it's Team Rocket! I'm, I'm, like, I'm pretty sure they have, like, a random episode generator at this point. They probably do. Like, really, just set up a dartboard with all the Pokemon in the new generation. Hit it. Okay, there's a trainer with that Pokemon. Uh, come up with some problem that they have, maybe related to the Pokemon. I don't know. Bagon can't fly. Whatever. Uh, so the whole episode is about trying to get Bagon to fly. Oh, look, Team Rocket's coming. Bagon helped fight them off, but they're going off in a balloon. Oh, no. Oh, now he's a Salamence. He flamethrowers them. Ash never sees this character again. Next episode. It's Every time. Hell, that was maybe even an episode that I, I, I don't know. I feel like I've seen that one before, but I just made it up. <laughs> there, It's just the same thing every time. Yeah. Uh, they're not the c- c- most creative people out there. At least the yeah. writing team. But, uh, but uh, were you creative as a kid? Uh, yeah. Um, again, before I wanted to do games, I wanted to be a novelist. Uh, so I would make little short stories in all these journals. I don't have most of them anymore, but I still have a few. They were awful. <laughs> Absolutely garbage. But, um, you know, I was like seven, so of course they were. So when did you decide you wanted to make games? Because you said you, you just like wanted to make books. What made you go from books to games? Uh, losing a lot of IQ points in high school. But no, really, <laughs> it was, uh, it was, 
starting Game Maker, I really liked it. At that point, I still wanted to be a novelist. Even when I was making games every single day, I uh, was still just like, this is a fun thing to do. But I'm going to go back to my books. Uh, but then as the days went on, I would spend more and more time making games, less and less time with. And I realized that I liked the medium of video games better for telling stories than uh, books. I mean, I still like books, but I just feel like my brand of storytelling works a lot better with games. So was the Game Maker your first um, uh, game engine, or did you mess with other engines before that? Uh, nope. Game Maker was the first. I knew nothing about programming. I knew nothing about game dev when my friend sent me this i don't even know why he sent me this i i i, I don't know if game maker was my first but a game engine i remember back in the day i don't know if anyone remembers this and i i don't even know if you would call it an engine but have you ever heard of the thing called my game builder i feel like i've heard the name but i've never really checked it out before so it, it was this one of those like web-based applications so you you create like tile sets and you import it and you can like make games with it and stuff hmm yeah, so, that sounds pretty cool if anyone like remembers that let me know in the chat and comments you know via itunes well, how are we watching this like this podcast will Putting on a lot of platforms. Like, I finally got the SoundCloud working today. It took me forever to get on SoundCloud. Like, it would not, like, upload for whatever reason. The upload kept failing and failing and failing and failing. But I'm... Uh. I'm getting, like... So... So, so you said so you saw what the game maker did. Were you going to college? Like, do you have a game education? Or were you like, screw it, I can do this myself. I don't need college. <laughs> yeah, I was all of 14 when he sent me Game Maker 8. So I was still in high school. I think, I forgot what year in high school I was in. Whatever, I think it was like early sophomore. Uh, and I went through all of high school. And eventually, I think... By the time I started to get out of high school, I decided that I wanted to make games. Uh, so then I did go to college for computer science. Okay, but, that's... But I didn't stay in computer science. Did, uh, you, because did you get a degree or did you drop out? I changed my major because I figured I don't want this to be a stressful thing. I don't want games to ever be something that I have to do. I want it to be something that I want to do, and I want to be able to make whatever I want. I don't want to feel like I'm trapped and need to make the most profitable thing possible. So I wanted to do something else for like a day job and leave programming completely to myself. Whether or not that was a good idea, I don't know. I can't really say yet. I literally just graduated university. So what uh, did you major in, you said? Well, I didn't really know what to major in at first. I was already in college at that point. I already had a few credits. I figured I might as well get a degree, but I didn't know what. And I was always a theater kid in high school. I was actually... Uh, nah, trophy's too far up to get. I'm short. But um, I was actually voted the number one actor in my school when I went to uh, North Point, my high school. 
So I wanted to do that, except there was no theater degree in my community oh. college. So I went to uh, communications first. Then I went to university and uh, became a theater major. And I'm not entirely sure of what I want to do with that. I, of course, want to be a voice actor, but that's not something that you really need the degree for. That's um, just something that I've been doing as long yeah. as I've been doing games. Yeah, it, it, it's by, like who you know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it really is just getting those connections, mm -hmm. uh, you know, doing a good job with your roles, hoping that things go forward. Yeah. So that's good. But when it comes to games, I have almost no formal education. It's just nine years of me bashing my head up against the wall. So you so, don't have a degree in anything or? No, I have a degree in theater and I just oh, got okay. it last week. Oh, okay, cool. So do, yep. you have, do you have any like acting plans or no? Um, I really don't want to do a whole lot of brick and mortar theater anymore. Uh, like, what, I feel like I've kind of. What about uh, voice acting? Oh, yeah, I want to do that a lot more. And now I have more time okay, to I, do I, that. I, I, I will send you some stuff. Oh, cool. I'll, 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 I'll look around on my Twitter. I, I, I'll see if next time I see a audition, um, I'll send it your way. Ah, oh, sure thing. Thanks. That's actually the reason why I have this mic. Uh, but, yeah, so the thing is, uh, with, I mean, of course, with voice acting, the thing that I really like to do right now is indie stuff, so that's great. Uh, matter of fact, I'm going to be talking with somebody tonight about continuing a series that he's doing on uh, Game Jolt, and I'm voicing one of the main characters for it. Can you say what that series is or no? Uh, yeah. It is Final Gateway, the Genesis Scroll. And it's a uh, visual novel series. And it's entering its, I think, fifth or sixth episode. And I think each game has three episodes in it. So we're going to be coming up on the second game in maybe a month or two. I have not heard of that. Yeah, it's one of the games where I was going to shoot it to you as a uh, recommendation for an indie game that you wanted to do, but the developers really knew, so I wanted to kind of give him time to make his game more refined before mm -hmm. I really sent it to you and before cool. the world saw it more. And I think he's getting there. Mm -hmm. Episode two is look, or um, the game number two is looking fantastic so far. I'm absolutely blessed to be a part of it. So, <clears throat> so you decide to go with Game Maker. So, uh, what do you think of some of like the strengths and weaknesses doing with Game Maker? Because Game Maker. I guess is one of the most simplified game engines, but, but like for doing the show, like I've been impressed with some of the stuff like I seen with Game Maker. Like I, I I didn't give Game Maker enough credit. Like I've been blown away. I'm like, whoa, this was made in Game Maker. This is badass, man. Yeah, the thing is, after doing a bunch of different engines, 
I really don't see the criticism that Game Maker is simple. It's really just as complicated as any other engine. I think it's just conveyed better. It seems more simple because it the layout is a lot better for video games than, say, Unity, at least to me. Um, going to Unity and going to Unreal, I feel like the development environments are super customizable, and I like that, but I don't feel like they're super built for a newbie to come in and understand where everything is and how to do everything. A matter of fact, uh, those programs don't even have their own built-in code editor. I mean, of course, Unreal has its uh, blueprint system. Yeah. But with uh, uh, Unity, I had to get Visual Studio, which I already had for um, Game Maker Android, but I didn't like mm. use it to code. But um, the thing is, once you get Visual Studio and you get it hooked up and everything, Unity and Game Maker, on the face of it, are very similar. It's just the layout's a lot different, but there are a few big differences, and uh, that is, well, of course, you need to use C Sharp, or um, I forgot what else you could use for uh, Unity. I think Java. I, I only use C Sharp with it. But, um, of course, you need to use that, and there's GML for Game Maker, but mostly UI, or UO. That's going to be the thing that is a big difference between them with unity it's super easy you just basically drag the um image onto the uh, scene editor there's a little bit more that you have to do that's a little bit more complicated but like that's basically all you have to do just with a little bit more detail game maker on the other hand has a draw system where you actually code all of your draw events which includes all of your ui on the screen all of your characters are done through that same kind of draw event. And while it's super dynamic, I love it for that. It's also really hard to set up, and getting everything to be positioned correctly is a nightmare in Game Maker. Oh. Because you're doing all of your visuals through code, at least with the UI. So, whereas, so there's definitely stuff that like Game Maker does better and like Unity does better, right? Yeah, uh, Game Maker is a lot easier to understand from like an outsider's perspective. Just looking in, coming into Game Maker for the first time is very easy laid out. But getting more complex with Game Maker is harder than it is getting complex with Unity. Uh, particles are a bit harder in Game Maker. Um, memory management is a little bit harder in Game Maker. If you're doing particles and you're doing audio effects, um, but on the same time, a lot of things are harder in Unity because you need to use C-sharp instead of a proprietary programming language that's meant for games. So you need to do a lot of kind of weird things that like a non-programmer wouldn't really think to do. I'm glad that I have the experience I do, so these things make sense to me. But to anybody else looking up the documentation of Unity, they'll probably be looking at it and go, what are half of these words? What are you talking about? I need a tutorial. <laughs> Luckily, there are a whole lot of those, but figuring out this stuff on your own is nuts. I would definitely recommend Game Maker for that over Unity. And... uh I would probably put Unreal as like a uh, a middle ground in between them. 
there is a lot of visual coding in Unreal. And oh, yeah, it looks that, fantastic. It's very easy it, to make a great looking that, game. That's something that's like really like drawn me to, to Unreal. Like if I were to choose a game engine, I might choose like Unreal. Like you, you can just like make a game just with blueprints. Like I, I know I, I don't know if you know. Do you know who Tindred Games is? Uh, that's another one where I've heard the name, but like, uh, uh, what games? Uh, Sword and Magic. Yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah, so for the longest time, his game just had blueprints. Hmm. Ooh, wait, no, I think it might still have blueprints, but I, I, I know like now he has like an actual programmer that's like helping him and stuff. So, I, but they might still be using blueprints. The point is, you can make an awesome-looking game just, like, using blueprints. So, um... Yeah, that's the big thing with, uh, Unreal. With all the, like, different game engines, but particularly Unity versus, like, Game Maker, since you have experience in both, like, which one would you recommend now? <laughs> is it hard to say? Like... Well, it depends on what you want to do. The main thing with game engines is their tools, and you want to use the best tool for the job. Uh, there are some games that I would only build in Game Maker, mostly 2D games. Oh, yeah. Uh, Can Game Maker do 3D? Yes, a matter of fact. Oh, God. The, uh, yeah, the 3D game that I uh, am developing was originally made in Game Maker. I made a full prototype for the game uh, with um, full Z-axis collision, full combat in 3D. You could go above, under platforms and whatnot. Fully 3D game in Game Maker. But there was a big problem. Uh, for one, designing levels was a pain because in Game Maker, even if you're working with 3D, your level editor is 2D. Oh. Bit of an issue. So, what did you do to work around that? Uh, what I did is I made a lot of visual representation of 3D objects in 2D and just kind of, I dealt. That's really it. I just kind of dealt with the problem and trucked through it. There wasn't really much else that you can do. That sounds stressful, man. Incredibly! Like, it was very hard to do. Like, we know each other for a while. I know some of the stuff... The crap you've been through. <laughs> Android. <Yeah. laughs> oh, God. I, I, I remember... I, I kept, like, remember you, like, tweeting about, like, Android's gonna be up. It should be up. And then, like, Google... Yeah, that was an experience. Thing is, I would love to make more Android games, but I really need a break. <laughs> You, you want, that was horrible. You want to talk about the Android process? Or do, do you have, yeah. like, PTSD from it? I do, and that's why it's good for me to talk about it. So, the thing is, I've, going into it, I thought that it would be a lot easier to publish an Android game as compared to Steam. And back in the day, that was the case. Uh, back when Greenlight was a thing, it, there was a horrible process that you had to go through where uh, you had to put your game up for Greenlight, and if enough people gave it upvotes, like enough people went to the page and upvoted it, then it would be released and it would be on the store. Uh, it would take even popular games a long time to be greenlit. 
Really? Uh, they got rid of that. Oh yeah. yeah. Binding of Isaac took a year to get greenlit. Yeah. Uh, so and and now you just have to pay like fifty dollars, right? Or something I, like that. Hundred dollars. Oh, I, I I knew it was a number. You just have to pay, and then you can just upload your game, right? That was a number rather than two oxen. But uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, you pay, and the thing is, the difference is back then you did have to pay, but it was a one-time fee. All oh. you had to do was pay the uh, hundred dollars. It would go to charity, and then you'd be able to publish games to Greenlight as much as you wanted. Or I think there might have been a cap per week or something to prevent spam, whatever. But post Greenlight, you pay a hundred dollars per game. And once your game gets a thousand dollars in revenue, then you get your uh, hundred dollars back. This hurts indies a lot. Now, uh, it does hurt. Can you? Well, you you probably are. But so, how does it like hurt like indies? What's the impact on indies? The reason why is the bigger guys, including the bigger indies. Um, you know they're they're part of this too. Um. They can take that hit. They can take that $100 hit, and they're going to make back that $1,000 easy. Uh, who this hits hard are the little guys, the super little guys, who are probably not going to make $1,000 on their game. But, you know, making $100, $250 for, like, a small game, that's really not bad. That's not bad at all. And that's how a lot of, like, really smaller devs do their things. Or, hell, sometimes not even smaller devs. Sometimes devs that just make a lot of smaller games but do have a decent fan base, they used to uh, make their living based on just making smaller games. But uh, now that's not very viable anymore. I mean, you could go on, like, itch.io, and that's where a lot of them have gone. Um, a lot of them also have gotten Patreons, but Patreon isn't really, it's really not that good for game devs. It's a lot better for video creators. I'm not entirely sure why that is. I really hope that a lot of studies come out about that. But when it comes to Steam, it's very bad for indies. Yeah, like I, I plan to get like uh, Tim Rushrick on the show one of these days. Like I feel like he had... He probably would have like a lot of like insight on that. I don't know if you know who he is. Uh, nope, not off the top of my head anyway. Uh, looking up, so he like is very transparent about his numbers and stuff. He shares that information. Hmm. Publicly, so I feel like he would have a lot of like insight, but. Uh, about like your game dev journey so how did like xander begin so xander was a game back in 2011 and it came about because i refused to make a pokemon clone i'll just uh, do a pokemon during... clone all the cool kids do it i know all the cool kids are doing it i've been on twitter oh boy all the pokemon i could yeah if you want to play Pokemon, you can play Pokemon forever oh, if yeah. you just uh, do indie devs. Same thing with Zelda. 
If you like Zelda, you will have video game content for the rest of your goddamn life because every indie game or under or every indie game creator under the sun has made a Zelda clone. Except for me. But um so Xander came about because my friend wanted to make a Pokemon clone and I said no. I wasn't going to clone anybody else's idea because I wouldn't really be able to put my own input on it i'd feel too constrained by the pokemon formula so i wanted to make my own thing and my reaction wasn't to make another monster game at first i just left the idea in the uh, toilet for a while i made a bunch of other things i made some turn-based rpgs that didn't have to do with monsters i made some hack and slashes but then uh, while i was making my newest action rpg i started to get bored with it there really wasn't anything special about it. You know, you were just, it was top down. You had, you know, weapons. You could buy them from a shop. You killed enemies, got XP. But then I was just like, hold the phone. Uh, how can I make this a little bit better? What if I was the monster? So I recoded it to basically give myself control over one of the enemies. And it was fun. Oh, playing as the enemies in that game was great. <laughs> so then I made it so that within the game itself, I didn't even have to keep hacking it. I could just morph into each of the enemies. Whenever I came across one, I would just be able to press space and instantly I would become that enemy. And it was just so fun. And then <laughs> I just immediately light bulb went off. Xander, the monster mofo. Oh, yeah. we're not at that part. Because isn't Xander the monster with a remake of the other Xander games? Yeah, the first Xander game was called The Adventures of Xander the Monster Morpher, uh, Aura of Harben. And that game came because... Then I finally decided to make a, um, you know, a monster game. So I went through, I made the whole thing, I made the story, I made all the characters, and then my friend loved it. He was like, you know, this is better than a Pokemon game, we should make a sequel. So then I started to draft a sequel that had better, like, graphics, better um, code, and that game was called Xander the Monster Morpher. Aura of Harbin. So, and I had two games that had the same title, but the second one was the only one that got released. And it was released on our website. So then, I started to miss some of the mechanics from the first game, so I went back and I extended the first game with DLC. And I called it Xander Ten's Darkness, based on a new character that I added in, named Tenet. Yeah, Tenet was actually not in the original Xander game. It was just Xander and Ryan. Uh, so he was a major character I don't know, in you, you're the new game. You are making me think of like Kingdom Hearts numbering and titling now. Kingdom Hearts 2.5, yeah. 2.8. Uh, this series has a lot of that. Uh, it's that shit trying to keep up with this. Really, the only thing you need to know is is Universe Breaker, the newest one. It's a remake of the first game anyway. But, like, this series has had a long history of just being made and remade and having different mechanics be put in different games and having <laughs> different characters come in. And 
Oh, it's nuts. And the third game was uh, online multiplayer. The whole game was co-op, but that game had a completely different story. That had to do with an alternate universe and timeline, and it's a different Xander and Ryan. And uh, Oh, God. Just... Mm. I do actually recommend playing that game, though, for the multiplayer features, but don't play it for the story. God, I hate that game's story, but I love the rest. Uh, which, uh, which one? Uh, the third game. The uh, one that's all online. It's not an MMO. You actually do need, like, Was that the one you streamed or no? Uh, yeah, I streamed all of them uh, a week apart from each other. Okay. I think... I, there were the ones that I did on Saturday, I believe. Uh, I I can't. I know I catch one of your streams. I can't remember which one it was. Yeah, um, all of them for the first time are available online. Page. Uh, it's actually the first time the first Ender game was ever released to the public. Uh, c- c- can you repeat that? You c- c- cut out. Uh, yeah. For the first time, all of the Xander games are available online. Uh, They're all on my itch page. It's actually the first time the first game is ever put online, period. Uh, Are they like separate or or, or are they in a bundle? uh, They're all separate because I actually lost the source code to the first game. I only have the executable, so that's all I could upload. um, Wonderful. Yep. <laughs> it happened. I mean, hey, it, it, it happened to Square. Like, I believe they, like, lost, like, all the code for, like, uh, Kingdom Hearts, like, 1. So when the, like, remix was coming out, they kind of had to do that from scratch, I think. Yep. The code. Yeah, when you're playing a remake of Kingdom Hearts 1, you're playing a completely different make of that game. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it still looks the like same. Well, not completely the same. It, it's obviously the models are in more high definition, you know. But yeah, like it's slightly different. And if you play a lot of the original, you can kind of tell the difference. But they did a really good job. Yeah, and it was like the first time we like uh, Westerns got to play the final mix versions. Yeah, and like. I would go back and remake the first Xander game like exactly how it was, but I really don't see the point since there's Universe Breaker that's already just better in every way and has the same story anyway. So I'm not really too torn up about it. Xander Final Mix confirmed? (laughs) Oh, God. See, the funny thing is, for a while, I was bouncing around with the idea of making a Final Mix version of Universe Breaker. Uh, uh, that just, but um, I'm really doubt that I'm going to do that at this point because there's just so much hype with the 3D game. Every time I post about it, just people jump on it. New people come on, they comment, they DM me. But um, whenever I post about Xander, nothing, not really. I assume because of the graphics, that's what a lot of people have told me. Uh, like, they actually didn't think that they would like the game just because it doesn't look fantastic. But once they played it, they loved it. Like, the amount of messages that I get about that are <laughs> staggering, sometimes using the exact same wording. 
So, uh, I mean, the Zendu looked cool to me. I, I always enjoyed the gifts you showed off and stuff. I mean, yeah, like, I always thought it looked good. And the reason why I made it in that art style to begin with is to kind of harken back to the older Xander game. They were all like top down in that kind of style. So, it really is supposed to look like that. It's just, I guess, not everybody really shares my tastes. And uh, it's also just really hard to draw in that art style to begin with, because when most people say top down, they're talking about three quarters of you, kind of like Pokemon were a link to the past. But Xander's like actually top down, like the camera is right above you. And that's really hard to draw because you're essentially working with one layer. Like, if there's a bush or something, you don't know if you're going to be able to walk above it or, like, if that's part of the walls or whatever. If there's collision, it's really hard to tell. So level designs had to be super simple. And a lot of people criticize that, but it's like, I would rather have them be simple than be confusing. If that makes any sense. Especially on Android. Like, the screen is the size of a credit card. (laughs) I couldn't make the... (laughs) the uh levels look that um that complicated and really the game was originally meant to be just an android game to be- I, I, I i still find it funny how like the port of the android came out before the android version yeah thanks google yeah it came out a month beforehand not even like a day or two they were supposed to come out the same day and, and you nope. didn't even like know when it was out until i said something yeah, everybody else knew that it was out before I knew. I was the last person to know. By the time I looked at it and I downloaded it, it already had like 50-something downloads. I was the last person to know. Don't you get a notification? No! What? They didn't tell me! L- I think L- they might have told me like three days later. Well, I got a notification. That's how, like, how hard is it to, like... And I checked both okay. of my emails too. Both of the ones that I had signed like, up to a Google you, account. You, you, nope. didn't me, you, you didn't even get like a push notification? Not until like three days later. Nope. Wow. Yeah. That the whole process of Google Play was the worst thing I've ever experienced as a game dev. And I've done 3D, full 3D in Game Maker Studio. And Google Play was still the worst. So when's that iOS version coming out? <laughs> I don't know. The thing is, I don't have an iPhone to test it on. I don't have a. Uh, I, I don't, don't really have an Apple account for anything. I don't have a Mac. You need a Mac in order to. Oh, you, you, make... you could just just get like a virtual machine. Yeah, but at the same time. I just still, I don't really know. I don't even know if it'd be worth it at this point. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, so just Wall Games just said, sounds like a nightmare. Worse than Steam Depots? Infinitely worse. Steam Depots are really not that bad, at least for me. I didn't have a lot of problem with them. Depending on your engine, maybe there'd be a lot more issues. Or uh, maybe your extensions if you're using GameMaker. But, um, oh yeah, it is way worse than Steam Depots. So, so but, um, are you game dev full time or no? I think you said no, but I I, I want to like clarify. 
Uh, no, and I really never intend to be, just so that I can make whatever I want and there would never be any stress with it. Okay. If, I, if I was a game dev full-time, I would have to really... I'd have to really push my games to be as profitable as possible. I'd have to spend a lot of time worrying about the money aspect of it. And I just want to not care about that. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm going to market and I'm mm -hmm. going to not be stupid. And I'm going to try to get as much money as possible. But I won't. That's not the focus is the point. And I never want it to be the focus because then it's not going to be fun. So what do you plan to do full-time? Or, or, or are you just going to do a various of different things? Uh, well, through college, I was a carpenter and, and an electrician. I don't plan on doing that anymore. <laughs> that was very taxing on my body. My shoulder feels like it's going to fall off. So I... I, you know, there were also days where I would be like 100 feet in the air and I would be handling some stuff and like the platform below me would kind of shift and I'd be like, hey, um, Foreman, what happens if this shifts a little bit too much? And he basically just said, go ahead first. It'll be easier that way. So, uh, yeah, I'm not really going to be in that line of work anymore. I'm not really sure what I'm going to do. I literally just graduated last week. Uh, so I'm giving myself a little bit of a break, like two, maybe three week break of just doing game dev and just doing voice acting. But uh, aside from that, I would like to be a part-time voice actor and a part-time, I guess, something to do with audio. I'm pretty good with that. Hey, um, if, if you want, mix my audio, let me know. <laughs> I mean, that'd be fun. That's something that I do a lot anyway. Because I, 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 I feel like I, I need like an someone to like mix my audio for these podcasts because the audio is still in the working progress. Like these first couple episodes are going to be rough. Hopefully as time goes, we can get some better audio mix going on. So, yeah. Yeah, that's just kind of how it always is with um new series. Like when I first started streaming, I oh that was terrible. I, I was too loud all the time, then I was too quiet. Then Streamlabs OBS wouldn't work half the time. And then there was that one time with uh, I forgot his name. It was it was some indie dev. None of his games worked with Streamlabs, so I had to do some really tricky workaround with like my recording software. I had to record the game, and then Streamlabs had to um was target it, the recording was it, just, was it a rpg maker game uh, i think so. i think like two of them were but the rest weren't they were something that i've never heard of before uh, like i i just really don't remember at all it was something super obscure uh do, do you know what game engine it was or no nope uh, he did say it, but it's something that I just never heard of before and never heard of since. And uh, it's something from the 90s. So I, <laughs> I really don't know, man. Yeah. It was but Game I, Maker. I, I was that bad. Like, I don't know. Streamlabs doesn't like RPG Maker games. Like, game captures rarely work for, like, um, RPG Maker games. So I, 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 a lot, uh, times i have to do a 
window capture capture and the, the, and sometimes even that doesn't work. So, so sometimes I have to go full on display capture, crop, you know, and and be careful to not open my Twitter. Yeah, like <laughs> you think Streamlabs would do something about that RPG make? That's like what half the indie games are made in. For better or for worse. What well, to be fair, not there's very really few like indie game streamers. You know, it's not like the most popular market on Twitch. Yeah, but it's still definitely something that you should account for when you're making a uh, like a streaming software. Even fringe cases should probably be accounted for, especially since it is like the main thing that your software is doing, like capturing games. I don't know. I think they're a little bit too popular to not consider that. Then again, what do I know? I literally just said that I don't want to be too much on the business side of things, so, eh. Yeah, you just want to make cool games. So, did you do... The, so, you have someone do the art on Xander, right? Or did you do the art yourself? I did almost all of the in-game art myself, okay. like 99.9% .9 of it. Uh, Jamie... Uh, the artist for like the posters and the um, like all the promotional material, my Twitter banner and all that. She does all of the promotional material. She draws a lot better than I do, but she can't really animate, and that's a big problem. So I still, I'm still the one making the sprites even to the 3D game, and I've gotten a lot better, and I'm a lot more free since I'm not in that like horrible um camera perspective anymore so my art is a lot better now but yeah i only have another artist for the uh, promotional material she says that she does want to learn how to animate but she doesn't really think that she can be ready to make something that'd be like a commercial product quite yet so we're probably just going to make some side projects together before we really like jump into a big commercial project with her doing the art like completely doing the art uh you guys could always like start with like some game jam games yeah that's what we're thinking we're probably gonna do except we don't really like doing game jams because i like we're super chill with making games I know it might not seem like it because I just put out a lot of content and a lot of it is very difficult to make. But um, I don't really like the concept of a time limit. So, I, I mean, I'm cool with the concept of a deadline that's like a year out. But like of, you know, make a game in 48 hours. Like, dude, before I graduated, I'd worked in school and I needed to eat and poop. Like, most of my time that wasn't working or school was spent on game dev. And I wanted that to be the relaxing time. And, ah, like, the time where I feel like I'm in my element. Not in the time where I feel like I'm scrambling to make a glitchless game in, like, 40 hours. Not really my thing. So, so we're probably not going to join any game jams, but we are probably going to make a lot of smaller games. Okay. So, but, uh, like, for me, for game jams, I, I think it's, like, less about finishing the game and more about, like, learning 
new skills. Like that, that should, I feel like that should always be, be, be the focus of doing that game jam. Focus on learning new skills. If you don't finish your game, you don't finish your game. At least you learn something. And it's a learning experience and you gain something. It's all about like setting your expectations. Yeah, that's why when I first started making games, it was before game jam culture really hit the indie scene. Uh, I did make a lot of like just smaller games. I wasn't really one of those days that were just like, I'm going to make my dream game right away. How do I code? Like, I was kind of cool with that style of making game at first. But now I'm just a lot more comfortable with the way I learn nowadays. Like now I'm just very pragmatic with my uh, with my, my projects. I didn't know any Unity, but ne- I needed my frame rate to be better on my 3D project. So that's why I learned Unity. I um, I didn't know anything about lighting in a game development standpoint. So I learned lighting just for this game. Like almost all the skills that I get nowadays are just because like I have this idea of a game in my head and I need to have the right tools to make it. And the only reason why I can do that is because I have that nine years of experience riding on my back. I do really agree with the whole game jam thing for uh, new devs. But I think after a little while, you kind of know what kind of dev you are and you kind of know how you learn best. And the way I learn best is just having a monumental task in front of me and just having every which way to kind of approach it and climb that mountain rather than um, making smaller, more focused games. Yeah, I, 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 I also am not really good with tutorials. Yeah, I, I learn uh, best... Um like the act of doing like for example when i'm playing board games and like learning how to, to do a play a blow game you just the person will explain and it's good to explain rules but honestly i'm i'm, I'm only half paying attention like i don't like really learn until i'm actually playing and then as things come up i can ask questions that's kind of yeah, like the old my, mega man approach yeah like that's my kind of like learning process but what's your like art and like game design process like if you have a process like the thing is this time i'm trying something new my Uh, normal process is I, i fly by the seat of my ass i usually don't have the story planned i don't have i mean i'll have the basic gameplay planned but i don't really have an idea of what the end game will look like I just completely make whatever the hell I feel like for the next level or whatnot. And that's worked so far. But now that I'm putting a lot more effort into each game and each game's taking me like two or three years to put out, I've realized that that's not a very good thing to do. It worked for Universe Breaker because I already basically had the game storyboarded out. It's based on another game. But with this new game it's not so i'm making a game maker 8 game got to get those nostalgia points and i'm making a storyboard of the game in game maker 8 i'm more or less making a small very simple version of the game in game maker 8 so that i know exactly what i'm going to be making when i do it in unity 
because oh, doing oh, anything in Unity takes a long time. So, so you're using Game Maker as like a prototype tool? Yeah, like I just the thing is, I can make things a lot faster in Game Maker, and if I decide that I don't like a piece of story, I can rewrite it really easily in Game Maker. But if I'm making it in Unity, it's going to take a lot longer to do anything, especially since it's 3D and I'm kind of new to that. And there's going to be a lot of animation. Like when the characters talk, there's actually going to be voice acting this time around. Ooh. And they're going to, you know, kind of put their arms around. They're going to bob their heads. There's going to be a lot of animation. Uh, so if I rewrite a scene, I would have to reanimate it. So what I'm going to do instead is I'm going to have a bit of a process. I'm going to com complete the storyboard. I just had to do a major rewrite, so it might have to take a little longer than expected. Uh, then I'm going to fully voice and animate the first part of the game that will be in the Kickstarter demo myself. I'll do all the voices including the female ones i'll do them kind of silly oh yeah i um, so xander had a kickstarter right uh xander had a what you kind of cut out there uh xander had a kickstarter right yep and if i remember it didn't succeed right yeah i uh i actually took it down after a little bit because i just decided that this game wasn't really the time for me to go full commercial with it so um so what do you think uh wasn't working for you for kickstarter because i see a lot of cool indie games like kickstarters that don't like succeed like that like one like studio ghibli like game that i uh showed you if you remember that like anime looking yeah one like that didn't do well it it failed so uh, I'm wondering, do you have any insight? Like, what kind of advice can you give people who tr tr trying to get the f game f funded on Kickstarter and aren't having like, like, what do you think works and what doesn't? If you have any insight on that. Uh, yes, just while I am in my bedroom, I just moved back from college. But um, okay. So the thing is, of course, I haven't had a successful launch yet. I plan on this game being the first launch. Um thing that i gotta say is i mean just go all in like it, it is a very hard thing to do to get kickstarted especially as an indie dev uh, it's very hard to get people to look at your game especially if part of your kickstarter is supposed to be getting your um, marketing budget uh, how are you going to get people to know about your kickstarter it's just very difficult it's something that you have to talk a lot about you kind of have to shill a bit i'm sorry if yeah. that makes people really uncomfortable yeah. and you also have to do pre-marketing don't wait until the kicks are to market like i see oh, them like a lot and like have social media links like this one i've been talking about like i could not find any social media like uh, of them and it and I, I i could tell it's the first game they just want to like make it so they thought, okay, we'll, we'll put this out and hopefully it'll get, like, funded. But, like, it's... I, I'm not saying it's impossible without marketing, but, you know, why not it's market? It's just going to be very difficult. Why not? Yeah. You know, you might as well. And it, you don't need to pay 
a ton of money to do marketing though you know putting some money in doesn't hurt but there's a lot of like free options you can do for like marketing so so you think marketing is pretty important right Oh, definitely. For the success of your game, marketing is the one most important thing. Uh, it's more important than the art, more important than the music, more important than the gameplay. That's just the unfortunate truth. If you want to go commercial and you want to make money for your game, especially if you want to be full-time, you have to be really privy with the marketing. Uh, that's got to be your number one concern. And that can feel kind of crappy to a lot of indie dev, especially the ones who were getting into this for the art, for uh, making the best game possible. So, but, so do you think social media is the best way to market? Because I feel like it is. Social media is okay. It's, of course, there's no substitute for dumping $10,000 on a uh, TV ad. Uh, if you do that, you're basically set no matter what. But um, if you have a good social media presence and even your so-so games are going to get at least a little bit of a following if just make sure that you post often and don't just post your stuff and then leave be a part of the indie community yeah. that's going to be the number one thing that's going to make you successful even in the very beginning when your games don't look that great your success is going to be tied to the people that you know and that's going to be throughout your entire career if you don't if nobody knows you if you don't know anybody you're not friends with anybody who does indie dev you're not going to make it that far if you just post online because there's there's so many people posting about indie games so many people whose games probably are going to look better than yours at least for quite a few years you're just going to be a little 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 you know in a very very large ocean and, and unless I you and i feel like uh cr cross promotion can, can go a long way too do you agree oh yeah yeah like it's just one of those things where any kind of promotion is gonna be good i mean i guess unless you uh dress up in a kkk uniform and go down the streets yeah. and DC and wave a flag of your game around maybe not that but anything like short of that <laughs> um any kind of marketing that you can do just just go ahead and do it you will be glad that you did you'll be a lot better off than if you didn't so uh, it's do you think the use of like content creators is a good way to market uh, sorry uh, what was that you kind of cut for a little bit uh the use of content creators do you think that's a way to market do you think like content creators have an impact on the success of a game like if they were to do coverage and stuff sort of um youtube is going to be number one uh, if a youtuber does your game it's going to go a lot further than a streamer thanks uh, and unless the streamer is huge <laughs> But even then, if they make an like fully edited YouTube video about your thing, then it's still going to go a lot further than even if, say, PewDiePie uh, streamed it. Uh, so it's really, yeah, it's just like um, what Brie for Tokyo is saying in the chat there. It's really getting the public to know your game. Uh, basically anything that's going to get people that did not know about your game before to know about it 
that's what's going to get you forward. It's that simple, but it's also really complicated to do that without a ass ton of money. Because, you know, my whole goal is I want to, like, use my channel and my show to help get, like, Indy's exposure. Like, I want to actually, like, make a difference and, like, translate to sales and success. But the more I do it, the more I will wonder, like, is what I'm doing helping? Am I wasting my time? You know, it could just be the negative thoughts in my head, but, you know. I mean, I think you are. I think you're a great advocate for uh, indie dev, but I don't know. I would say, you know, of course, it would be better if more people tuned in, but I don't really know how to do that. I'm, I'm getting uh, there. I'm, I'm getting one day, you know. Yeah, because, I mean, your stuff is great, especially with the amount of content that you do, the sheer amount of kick stars that you look at the sheer amount of games that you look at i don't know how you schedule all of that that's nuts i don't schedule like a lot of it is last minute i'm like oh crap i need a game like and a lot a lot of times i get too distracted with kickstars and like schedule games get delayed i have to push it into the next week and then i feel bad because i tweet out the devs ahead of time and tag them and when i don't cover the game like i promise i I feel bad like so i'm trying to cut down on the number of games i do and spend more time with those games before it was like three to like nine games or three to six games some number but i want try and f- spend more time with these games but it's hard because indie game lengths can vary like because i try to go yeah. as blind as possible because c- c- i want to convey a g- 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 genuine reaction yeah that yeah. is always the thing like i have a <laughs> i remember when uh i streamed for a little while and there was this one indie guy that i wanted to do because he came up and DM'd me personally. So how could I refuse? I was new. So I wanted to go in blind so that I would have a more natural reaction. And oh my god. I wish that video was still up on Twitch. But it happened more than two weeks ago. And I don't have Prime. But oh Jesus. That was an experience. That I, The games didn't work half the time. And the other half of the time... The creator of the games was... I don't really know how to explain it. I don't want to be mean here. But he was pretty young. And I could tell he didn't really know how to be on stream. And he wanted to call. Like voice call like we're doing now as I was playing the games. And the whole time it was just very, very awkward. And I really wish I would I wish I would have known how young he is for one. Yeah. I would I wish I would have known that he had no experience in front of the camera. I that's, wish I would have known like what engines his games were made in and whatnot. So that's the, the fact that you do this like every week, I salute you, man. That, that, that's, <laughs> that's, what, that's why I don't voice chat on stream because like I don't want to be mean either, but like I see other streams and sometimes there's like kids talking with the streamer and sometimes awkward, you know, like, yeah. like 
I, I, I get that they really want to, like, connect with that streamer and stuff, but, like, I don't know, sometimes I feel like voice chat distracts from the stream. Like, sometimes I feel like streamers forget the streaming and focus too much on the voice call. Yeah, like, I, it was on his insistence. I wanted to just have him be in the chat like everybody else, but he insisted on being in voice, and I just really wish that I screened him beforehand before saying yes to that, because that was... That was not a good time. That was a very interesting two hours. Yeah. But, but, but now I, I want to, like, salute you, because, like, you have a pretty good, like, Twitter game from what I see. When you post, like, screenshots and stuff, like, you get, like, a lot of engagement. Like, teach me your ways. Uh, I'm Jedi I mean, Master. Really? Really, I don't know how it happened. I think it's just because I was a massive asshole on uh, Twitter. Like, I would just go and post puns and, like, really horrible, sarcastic remarks on everybody's pages. And eventually, they just kind of knew me. And ideas started to deal with me. Maybe Stockholm Syndrome made, me li made them like me a little bit better. I don't know. My posts also get a wildly different amount of um, interaction on a day-to-day -day basis. Sometimes I'll easily hit, like, 90 or 100, like, within the first few hours, uh, 90 so, or 100 likes. So, uh, and then uh, uh, other the, times I'll get, like, 20 in a day. I don't know. So does you posting a screenshot or not, like, make a difference? Do you find if your post has, like, a picture or screenshot, do you get, like, more engagement? Oh, definitely. Uh, the largest engagements that I've ever seen were from short, very, very short videos. Like, might as well be GIFs, but um, I don't like making GIFs quite as much as I like making videos. What about uh, static images? Just, static uh, images? Just like a plain screenshot. Not really. I don't really get as much engagement on those. Yeah. I'll I get, like, my core audience always, like, even on some of my text posts, but, like, Really, most of the time, what I'm going to be looking at is the short, maybe three to four second videos are what hits the big number. Longer videos after that, then below that, static images, then below that, text. Like, I, I want to make my, like, posts, like, more v visually appealing. Because I do feel, like, the more visual, the better, like, it helps, but... Like, adding very does help, but, like, what do I do? Like, a lot of times, the most engagement posts I could get are, like, if, like, a dev has, like, a GIF and I attach that, but, like, sometimes they don't, and, you know, like, because I mean, of the way my content, I'm, I, I can't, like, really create, you know, like, images and stuff. Well, like I could, but I want to go as blind as possible in the game, so. Yeah, like, I mean, I'm just kind of pissing in the wind here because I've, you know, I've streamed before, but I haven't really been on your end of the spectrum, but I would probably say maybe show some gifts of the gameplay, like as you play it, you know, maybe record for a few seconds or so, uh, maybe record your streams and post, like, a gif of the stream itself including like i don't even know how to make a gif man I, i'm not like a gif person i don't know <laughs> I, I i just like steal other people's gifts is that bad like yeah. I, 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 I tag them i tag them 
And and, I mean, and like a lot of times it is in the press kit. So, I mean, you could do like short videos. Oh, I mean, that's what I do. I usually do that just so that if I wanted audio, I can do that too. Like I've, I've, I, I thought about maybe like hiring a person to like make the the, the gifts of like before I like play the game. Like they'll play the game before I do and like do, do some like recordings and stuff. But I mean that could work. But um, and because I don't know, just the posts that I've found the most success with are the ones with the motion and the ones that are kind of short. You know, it's twitter there's not a lot of attention span yeah. it used to be 100 characters strictly only so you know give and take that's just how the culture is there have you ventured into tiktok yet <laughs> I, I i don't not know quite i yet. don't know if i told you i have a tiktok account oh god. yeah oh god well, it I have was a... recommended but well, well, i've like haven't quite done it yet tiktok has crazy discoverability i'm just saying yeah um, is there a desktop version no, of it? No, that's it's, it's so. It, that's it, what I thought. It, I it, it's, a, one. it's only like a phone app, and the videos can only be up to like a minute long. I mean, that's fine. Uh, on my Twitter, I don't really post anything longer than a minute. Hell, even my trailers, I specifically make them exactly a minute, and then I cut myself off. So that's not really a problem. It's just. I usually don't use my phone. I know it's kind of weird for a technology guy, like a programmer, <laughs> but like it's weird if my phone is on, if it has battery. That's not a regular thing for me. So I'm not really hip with the phone culture. Man, now I'm sounding like the old ass. So <laughs> like I just don't, I think, you know, we don't have a lot of battery left. So just... I don't know. I'll I'll maybe get into it, but it's yeah. one of those things yeah. where I just really wish there was a desktop yeah. version. It, 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 it's it's a very like younger generation. Like even younger than like my generation. So yeah. <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong. I want to I want to yeet YouTube out the window. I know it's weird that I just said that was like an old ass, but then I just unironically used the word yeet. But I just want to. I want YouTube to go down already. I hate YouTube so much. I don't know anybody who doesn't anymore. Like wow. I love the way it used to be back in two thousand six and seven. Well, but I, I, like I, I'm gonna like start getting into like YouTube because if I want to like grow like my brand and my like uh, channel, I, I have to make use of other platforms. You know, and that's the bad thing. Like. There's well, because Twitch doesn't have the discoverability. That's the yeah. That like, that's the YouTube has all of the uh, infrastructure. It's the big giant of the industry. So taking YouTube down, yeah, is gonna suck. Like, and, like, I, like I, I, I don't know, like why Twitch doesn't have discoverability. Like if YouTube can implement it, like it wouldn't be hard. Like I, I don't know if you watch like Harris, like. Hello, but he does like tips and he did like a video of how to add discoverability to like uh, uh, Twitch. You know, I'm actually really surprised that uh, Twitch doesn't have like a YouTube esque platform 
uh, because it's owned by Amazon. You'd think that a company as big and rich as Amazon would maybe actually be able to compete with YouTube. I, 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 but... I'm, su- I'm surprised like Amazon have hasn't like launched like a Twitch Originals. Yeah, like I feel like it definitely could. I feel the moment somebody with a lot of money comes by and makes something that's basically like YouTube but not shitty, then it it will be big. Yeah, but you need a lot of money, and and even then it's hard because like everyone's on like YouTube, like yeah, that's the problem. It's just it's got the history, it's got the money, it's got the infrastructure, it's got the people. Like YouTube, like owns. So the the only way we're gonna get a new YouTube is when YouTube dies. Because when YouTube dies, something has to fill that hole. So until YouTube completely dies, I... Yeah, with, um, with Copa, like, I hope YouTube dies, like, right now. Well, no, let my stuff grow first, man. Okay, then it can (laughs) die, like, because I plan to upload the clips from the podcast, which I think will do really good, you know. I've been, like, researching into the algorithm. I got a game plan. Hopefully it'll work, like, hopefully. That's the hope, man. Yeah, like, I was... Shortly after doing the streams, I decided that I wanted to do YouTube instead. A matter of fact, that was what my entire last stream was about. It was an announcement about that. But... uh, (laughs) Yeah, see, Silver? uh, I ain't getting sued for having Jake swearing up a store and is a cute anime fox boy. Yeah, I'm sorry, but Casey kind of rubbed off on me. I curse a lot more than I used to now. So I I, I I was like worried about COVID. I, I probably should be, but like I'm like I, I don't know. Worrying about it isn't gonna help me, so I'm just gonna do the YouTube link. But, but yeah, but I, like, I, I, I have a question. So I asked like Diego this last week, but uh, but 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 I want your opinion as someone who's more exp- who's been doing games a lot longer. Do, how do you think COVID is going to affect game developers? Do you think people are going to be too afraid to, to, like, upload coverage of games and that's going to affect game developers a lot, do you think? Um, yes. As long as Copa is what it seems like YouTube is portraying it to be, then, yeah, we're going to have a problem if every single game is classified as a kid's game, even if there's blood and gore and killing and hentai and shit. Uh, that's going to be a problem. For a lot of content creators, and, uh, Copa just confuses me. I, I I hear all these different information. I hear worry about. I hear don't worry about it. Like my head explodes. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, I'm not gonna worry about it until a problem really starts to arise. Yeah, and when it does, I feel like we the people will be able to put enough pressure on lawmakers to be able to change it. Uh, because really, this COPA came about because of pressure from people um, saying that a lot of content on these streaming services is inappropriate for kids, and that's true, but they don't really understand the nuances of, like, there's YouTube kids, and there's the fact that you can report a lot of these people that are making, like, uh, frozen hentai on YouTube and whatnot. And it's just, it's mostly a case of people who don't really know 
about streaming and about YouTube, trying to make laws about YouTube. And once it really starts affecting us, I feel like we can fight back pretty easily. But I mean, yeah, really just parent your kids. That's the number one thing. Uh, that's the thing that our parents did when we were kids. I don't know why it's so hard now, but you know, the the glowing babysitter has to do its job. Yeah. YouTube's gotta be the second parent in the occasion. Yeah. And and if if parents want their kids if parents are okay with like kids, um with their kids watching more mature content, that that's not for me to say that's their choice. You know, who are we to like you know, parent. You know, each family has their own set of like values and rules and stuff. So, yeah, I'm like tr trying to legislate family values. I feel like is a contradiction. Uh, like, how can you dictate what a family thinks is moral? I know you can make laws about like, like things that are actually going to hurt people. But the reason why this law is coming about is because of parenting. I honestly just feel like parents should be parents in that equation. I feel like they should use the things that are presented to them, like YouTube kids, like uh, the kids section in Netflix. Before you buy them a game, look at it first. Look at the ESRB rating. I know the uh, ESRB is fantastic, and, but there's uh, a ballpark. And I feel like, well, the problem is like parents that don't understand entertainment and technology and what this content is and stuff. They're like, oh, here's a, a TV, go watch it. And they tr treat like content movies, online content as like babysitter, even games as content. You know, it, it's, it's not a babysitter. Oh, definitely not. Like, <laughs> you do have to watch the kinds of games that you buy for your kids. Like, it's... It it seems like it's common sense to me. I don't, I don't really know how this has happened to begin with, but it really is just people that don't understand that not all games are for kids, that adults can enjoy kids' games as well and comment on them in a non-kid-friendly manner on YouTube. Uh, there's just a lot of nuance to it that I feel like there needs to be people on these panels who actually know about YouTube and about video yeah. games yeah, I, when I, they legislate I, these things. I, I think because it doesn't appear like that's the case. And I also think we need to start like educating parents about this content. What is this content? What does these things on ERSP mean? Like, what is this? You know, I feel like some parents don't fully understand games. Yeah, I feel like they, that's another big... Because they never, like, played one. Like, play a game with your kid. Like, not enough parents... I, I feel like not enough, like, parents do that. Yeah, I feel like that's a big problem. Like, if you don't understand what you're trying to kind of limit and uh, legislate about, it's going to really create a problem. Like... Uh, my parents are the parents of a game developer, and they honestly can't wrap their minds around a game that's not like Atari 2600. And I've even shown them modern games. I've shown them games that I've... And for some reason, whenever I like got to pick, out, I pick up a game and I like, will come back home because I'm home now. I'm not like in college anymore. 
uh, they'll look at it and just be like, you went all the way out to the store, paid like $60 for what, like five minutes of entertainment or so? And I'm like, five minutes? What are you talking? No, these games are like 20 to 60 hours long and it just blows their mind no matter how many times I tell them that. I don't really know if it's a generational thing because my dad played a lot of Atari. My dad even played a bit of NES. I don't understand what happened here, like culturally. Okay, so uh, so we're, we're kind of almost out of time because I... Oh, yeah, it is it's getting on there. Because I, 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 I think like one of the platforms, I can't have an upload mode to do. No. I, I think SoundCloud's fine. I, I, I don't know, but just in case, uh, I, I'm gonna ask like one more question. Well, maybe t t t two more questions, and they were, were trying to open it to a quick Q and A. So, uh, can you use sites like Keymail and IndieBoost? Um, yeah, I've considered using IndieBoost, but I decided ultimately against it. I forgot why. I, I could come back later for a more de detailed explanation, but I haven't used them yet. There was an actual reason, and I was actually really considering them okay. at first. Because I, 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 I am like an indie boost partner, so. Uh, yeah, I saw on your um, <laughs> but, page. But, but you're welcome, to be honest, you know, so. Oh, yeah, yeah, I would be completely honest, but I, I honestly forgot <laughs> yeah. why I did. It might have just been, I don't know, if it costed money, it might have been pricing at, at the time. If it doesn't, then uh, it was some other reason. Were you concerned about people selling your game keys? Uh, no, that was fine. That, that was a concern at one point, but it wasn't for uh, any boost. Because I know that's, hey. a, that's a big issue with email from what I hear. Yeah, there. I actually did have an instance of uh, sending a key to a streamer, and he ended up selling it, and that and that annoyed me. And then it makes other streamers look bad. Yeah. So, like, after that happened, I became a bit more wary of um, what streamers I would give keys to, and I was unintentionally an asshole every now and again, and I really just don't want to come off that way, except for, like, ironically like i'll act like an asshole on um twitter just because it's funny but i know people know that i'm joking there but like when i went over email i would start to be like more business-like and i would start to be a lot more strict with who was getting those keys and i ended up hurting some people's feelings that i really didn't intend to people who were good streamers yeah well, why didn't you give me it why didn't you give me a key man I'm you hurt. didn't ask. You, you just bought it. Oh, I was yeah. actually just about to give you a key. Really? Yes. <laughs> I, I was like maybe 15 minutes. I was like downloading it and the bar was up. And then you're just like, okay, I just bought it. And I, I was just like, oh, cool. Um, well, because well, I like to plan ahead. I wanted to make sure I had the copy of the game. Yeah, like... I completely understand. And I, and I thought, like, if you like, really want to give me a key, you would. Yeah, like you. There was enough evidence there that I knew that you weren't one of the bad. But there were some like new streamers that I didn't have a lot of evidence for, that I was kind of a little bit too mean about in my emails, and those are the people whose like 
uh, feelings I hurt. There were some other people that I also suspected at first, but then they sent me proof. And then I was like, okay, sorry, man. You know, it's precautions. I'll give you your stuff right okay. now. So uh, uh, th- before we open to Q&A, are there any indie games you're interested in? Uh, yeah, I don't know if he's watching or if he's ever going to watch in the future, but um, <laughs> Simitar DD. Oh, yeah. David Hardcore. When are you going to release SM4R? My God, I've been waiting it, for that game for so long. Isn't it out? Or is it only in like an out? Because I remember streaming a version of that. Was that just like a beta or something? Yeah, that was just the demo. Oh, okay. And that's all that's been out for the past year. And I'm he's mostly working on a uh, Rocket League type game on his channel now on Twitch or channel his account on Twitch and I'm just really wanting SM4R that is my no- <laughs> like indie or not that is my number one game on my list I really want it cuz I am I'm damn near addicted to that series like not just SM4R but like SM3 SM2 Wait, the, SM5 the, there's other ones I don't know and this is the this is kind of like his Xander the Universe Breaker, where it's like this is the first time he's taking the series and really making it public. Yeah, yeah I, I see you guys like interacting a lot on Twitter and. F- yeah, it's actually really eerie how like how much our development histories line up with each other, right down to the different years that we did specific things. <laughs> like we basically just had the same development history. And we did not know each other until like a year and a half ago. So yeah. that's that. He's basically making his universe breaker, but I released universe breaker. <laughs> you release your game, damn it. Man, I want him to. T- 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 I hope he's listening, man. That'd be great. I hope, like, if he's listening now, then great. Release your damn game. If he's releasing in, if or if he's um watching in the future, like on iTunes or whatever, great. Release your damn game. <laughs> and thanks for God. watching the podcast. Yeah. Oh yeah, thanks. Yeah. Release your damn game. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so we are now go. We are now going to open it to Q and A. So if there's any people in the chat that wants to. Ask a question, ask your question, ask your question. Yeah, I know there were a lot of questions that came by during the stream that we just didn't really get to because we were talking about one thing yeah. or another. Well, well I, I, and I tried to save like chat interaction until after the actual interview portion. So, yeah. So I, I was like intentionally not like looking up because I wanted to save until like after, but let's look at something. Uh, Let me actually open the other chat window because the so uh Silverblade says I'm I'm so terrified that one day a parent would get on my case after they got any of my novels when game jokes stuff to tell you what content is in it before entering the page and uh Bree asks why why do you guys think Steam is bad for indies. All right. Uh, so about the Steam question, uh, it's mostly because of their recent policies. They used to be the number one place for indies, but now I hate to say it, 
but Google plays better. It's a lot worse to develop for. Uh, what, 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 what about Edge? I think Edge is okay. Edge is okay. The thing is, um, not a lot of people buy games on Itch. Yeah, it is a good play. Yeah. yeah. I'll be honest, I, I don't <laughs> buy a lot of the games. Let me specify, I don't like buy a lot of the like, free games. Because how, so Itch has a set up, you can publish a free game and then you can set up kind of like a donation kind of thing, you know. Because yeah. I, I, I know that there might be people in chat who don't know, like, what itch is. So, you know, I, I, I want to, like, explain that. So, yeah, the thing about itch, though, is it seems like the donation thing would be great, but not a lot of people really donate. And if they do, it's usually an amount that's way less than you would get on Steam if it was back in the day. But the thing is, Steam used to kind of market your game for you. And it used to be a bit harder to get on Steam. So it was kind of like a race where if you were a really good indie, if you had a really good game with a good idea, then Steam would be your number one bet. But now it's a lot more flooded with content and it costs a lot of money to publish to Steam. And they don't do any marketing for you anymore. Matter of fact, they kind of actively bury your game compared to AAA games. So yeah. and unless you get like lucky with the algorithm, I think Steam has an algorithm, right? Yeah, the algorithm is brutal unless you're already a creator who has sold and made Steam a lot of money. Uh, so it does come down to your you doing your own marketing, but you doing your own marketing costs a lot of money. It that, uh, like a ridiculous amount of, amount of money. And Steam used to kind of help you along with that, but now they don't. That's and why, it's just a really flooded market. That's why you need to like utilize as many platforms as you can, like use Twitter, YouTube, all, all, all these different like marketing platforms, and hopefully over time, it all like smash together. Does that yeah. makes sense? I mean, that... That is mostly the problem, is that marketing for indies is down, and, and we have to find a lot of tricky different ways to I, get that I, marketing. And the problem is, games are easier to make than they were back in, in like the 80s and 90s. Because of that, because games are the easiest they've ever been to make, there's so many of them. Yeah, like... Greenlight would be better now than it ever was before because you'd really be able to gauge the quality of the games. It, I would rather have there be kind of like a different tier system for uh, publishing games. Like, if you're a new dev or if you're just doing uh, game gems, you should have something like HIO or uh, Game Jolt. Then maybe above that, games with quite a bit of quality to them, but I don't know. Like five, ten dollars, maybe, and then maybe Steam. But instead, what we have is just this kind of mishmash where you have a bunch of games on Steam. There's like, I forgot how many games are released on Steam every day. I think it's more than a hundred. It's a lot, (laughs) and it's the same thing with Google Play. More than I think a thousand games are released per day on uh, Google Play. Uh, uh, What's your thoughts on Game Joe? We, we, we've like briefly, okay. we briefly talked about it, but really, really, 
Game Jolt's okay, but the thing is, you can't really put your big commercial project on the same website that hosts Sanic Ball. It's one of those things where Game Jolt's just kind of a different kind of thing. It's something that's really great for smaller creators and for smaller games, but it's really not going to rake you in a lot of profit because of the perception of games on Game Jolt. It's kind of like Steam is seen as like a Hollywood movie producer. It's not. It's actually not that much better than Game Jolt, but people see it as like the Hollywood type tier and um game jolt is like youtube where when you go and you look at a youtube video you're really not expecting something like a hollywood movie and you're gonna get that but that's okay there's definitely a market for that and there's a reason why that exists it's just really hard to make money on game jolt and it's really hard to get your game known on game jolt because there are a lot of games on game jolt and there oh, are a yeah. lot of games on Steam and a lot of games on Google Play. That's one of the biggest problems. We're working on a big uphill battle, a big, big marketing climb, and we don't have the money to do that. And do it's you, really hard to you, um stick out. Do you feel like physical marketing helps, like demoing your game at conventions and stuff? Or? It could. I've never really been to one because I live kind of far away from where anyone would uh, put a game convention. I probably could drive out to D.C., but I really haven't done that yet because I haven't put out a game that I feel is big enough to do that. That'll, I mean, you know, the next game, the 3D game, will be. I will, will be going all out for that. But I uh, haven't done it yet, so I can't really say. Um, I know some people have definitely found success with that, yeah, uh, but it, the it developer can be... of One Step for Eden is an oh. example. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it can it can be expensive. Oh, definitely. Like I guess, like, especially if you demo at PAX, like, and it, it it can also be like crowded at those like events. So you you really have to do a good job at like standing out and not just like game design, but like your booth design. You know, you, you also have to design that well and figure out to, like, appeal. Because I went to, like, PAX this year, and, like, even, the, like, the, the indie mega booth section, that was, like, crowded. Yeah. Like, it's... I mean, I would say if there was one word to describe the current problem with the indie market, it would be crowded. It's just really hard to stand out there's a lot of people in the industry especially now it's a lot easier to get into it and there are a lot of people who have grown up now thinking that they want to be game devs uh whereas that was a lot less common with us so it's just a matter of finding a way that these people can be seen by the people that want to play their games i like, as a monster guy, I'm always looking for new monster-catching games to play, but it's so hard because I can't... I don't feel like Steam's search function is good enough for that. Uh, Itch.io's is a little bit better, but it's still yeah. not not great. And, and uh, one, 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 like, personal issue I have with Itch, and this doesn't affect discoverability, but 
itch. Why is that not a private messaging system? How hard? I, I can tell you. How hard no is it to? Not to be fair. To, to, to be no, I won't. But, but, but like you should be able to private message devs, right? You would think. Like, because yeah, like, sometimes, because I like to reach out, connect with devs, but sometimes they don't leave their social media or anything, so I have, like, no way to contact. If they, if, like, Itch had a private messaging system, I could private message them. Like, it shouldn't be hard to set up, right? I, I feel like... It's it, crazy it, that they don't. I, I, I feel, feel like every website now has that. It, it, yeah, like, there's a lot of, like... A lot of those like free website tools and stuff has like some built-in form or message thing like you know so, so a lot of times I just have to like leave a comment and stuff be like hey I want you to your game and then I feel like a self-promoting douchebag by doing that yeah but but like there's something else I can do you know like itch <sighs> get a private messaging system like it, it's, it's not I, I, I feel like they have the tools and resources and infrastructure to do it oh definitely if you have the (coughs) if you have the infrastructure to make a website where people can upload video games i'm pretty sure you can make a dm system yeah maybe they're just afraid people spamming and harassing devs and overwhelming devs but like possibly like mostly what i do after resort to is look up their twitter and then dm them on twitter but yeah again some people just go on twitter post their shit and then leave so some devs don't have a twitter yeah like if they have a facebook or something i I have no idea how i'm gonna contact them yeah like (laughs) and god forbid if they have nothing like if it's really just their itch account then i gotta wonder how does anybody know about their game to begin with I don't know. Just, Sometimes some... anomalies just happen. Yeah. The wonders of game death. So, so we're going to wrap up. Uh, if there's any last questions, please say. Uh, I it, think it, someone asked at some point, like. <laughs> ah, I can't find it. Uh, ask some question to me that I had to skip over. Yeah, there's a, a lot of... Yep, I don't know. I but, can't find it. But uh, is there any last comments you want to say about your game, about future? Um, what was that last part? Your, the last word there got cut off. Uh, do, do you still there? Sorry about that. My mom called me. Well, if I'm okay. doing a podcast, does she not? Uh, okay, but so uh, any last like comments? How can people find you? Anything else you want people to know about? Ah, uh, yeah, you can find me being an asshole to people at a Kuro at a Twitter. So. Twitter, 
I, I, I also uh, have a layout, unless I misspelled it. Uh, yeah, so you can find me there, and... Uh, yeah, not a whole lot to say that we haven't already talked about that I wouldn't go off on a massive tangent for. Uh, basically just, uh, thanks for listening to me, and I'll be basically... I answer things on Twitter all the time. If you DM me, I'll answer it. Uh, you... Yeah, I DM'd him a couple of times, bugging him, annoying him. He answers <laughs> my questions sometimes. Yeah, I check that every day, even on days where I don't post. And I post 90% of the time. Uh, matter of fact, I've posted every single day from the time where I first started my account to up until a few weeks ago was the first time I missed a day. So even when I don't post, though, I check. And if you comment on any of my posts, I, I will see that as well. And there's a lot that I would say about developing the new 3D game. That has also been an experience, but you can mostly just see how that is developing by visiting my Twitter. I'm very vocal there. I oh, yeah. say basically everything that happens, even if it's really embarrassing, even if it's something like I spent five hours trying to fix a glitch and it turns out I just spelled a word wrong, I will still post about that. So you will know exactly how the game is coming along if you follow that uh, Twitter. Well, uh, th thanks for coming on my show. Uh, thanks for having me. And th this has been the Nino's Indie Cafe, where we promote and discuss various indie games and try to grow the indie community and make sure games succeed. And we do this Wednesday through Friday at twitch.tv slash now here at around 2 p.m. You guys can also find me on Twitter at NinoHero5. So people who are watching the audio version, I I hope to like catch you, you know, come in, talk about your game, promote it, like, you know, we do allow self-promotion of games and other indie projects, like, we want to like help indies succeed, and I'll see you guys next week.